Hello, welcome to another wannabe entrepreneur. My name is Tiago, and this is the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. Today is Wednesday. Again, I am releasing on a Wednesday, as I promised I would. So, yep, at least that's working. And uh, I hope you are sharing this episode with your friends. I actually notice a little bit of a drop in terms of downloads. So normally I would reach 200, 200 and something. And now it's a little bit less, like 180 or so. So I don't know. Am I doing something wrong? Forgive me. No, it's okay. It happens. No problem at all. You know, I am getting old. How old are you? I think from my statistics, actually people that listen to this are more, more or less my age. I'm 30. And 30 are a lot of years, right? Even though I, I don't accept it, I've lived through a lot. I actually remember the times before the internet. The times before having a computer. Do you remember those days too? Yeah, I actually remember using an encyclopedia to do my homework. Crazy, like... For the ones that do not know, an encyclopedia is like a big book, a very thick book with information across multiple topics. A book that people would consult every time they had a question or they want to gather information. Encyclopedias were the Google of the days before the internet. I remember my first interaction with a computer. I was probably around, I actually don't know my age. It was the fourth grade. And my parents enrolled me in a computer course, something that my friends and I would do during the holiday. You know, parents, they are always trying to find a way to entertain their kids. And they found this. I remember being really fun. I remember entering in this room filled with these old school computers, you know, those screens that would weigh like multiple kilos and the tower on the side, like those really old school computers. I think they were like Pentium something. I don't even remember the name. And we learned. We learned how to use words, how to use Excel. I, re I really remember creating my first folder. <laughs> it's a weird memory to have, but I remember being seated next to a friend and we were like practicing creating folders. And then right-click, new folder. Bam. Just give it a name and you have your folder. <laughs> Another thing that we started doing was, was really cool was playing games. All these games that were available online. Actually, online, yeah. Then I guess there was already internet because I remember playing these games. It was fun. I also remember the beginning of the communication era. The era that came to replace all these archaic methods of communications. The mail, sending letters. I have to say, I, I probably sent like two letters in my life just for the fun. I never communicated with a friend through a letter. Which is kind of crazy. 
Imagine people actually exchanging letters. Imagine writing something, sending, waiting for days to arrive to the recipient and then waiting more days just to get the letter back. I'm sure that a lot of people would say that writing a letter is a completely different experience than writing a text. But come on, it's so long. It takes so long. One messenger came to play, it kind of changed everything. I don't know if you remember having messenger where you just set up your nickname and people just, at least here in Portugal, they would describe in their nickname how they were feeling. I am upset because the girl I like doesn't like me back and my mom made me eat broccoli. <laughs> that was like the nickname people would have. Like, And then you had the email. You needed an email. This, this weird thing. It's kind of mail, but online. It's the email. It changed the world. Email changed the fucking world. Suddenly... You could send letters in seconds. You didn't need to write it, put it into an envelope and sending in the post. No, you just type it and send it. How incredible is that? At first, when this concept was introduced to me, I, I didn't really grasp it. I didn't understand what was the point. But I sure created an email because all my friends were creating emails. I created an msn.com email. And I have to say that I'm still a proud owner of that email address. Yeah, I'm still using it, actually. So I guess this shows you how mature I was. Because all my friends, all my friends were having these like crazy emails like dog69 at msn.com or crazy baby, whatever. <laughs> Imagine going to a bank and... You want to open an account and say, hey, I want to open an account. And they're like, sure. So what's your name, Tiago? What's your email address? Baby69sexy at msn.com. <laughs> ah, fun times. Yeah, I still have my email. I still have that email address. Still use it. Messenger was also really fun. And uh, to be honest the messenger technology or at least the format we still use it right we then use texts sms and then now with whatsapp whatsapp is basically messenger for your phone right uh, fortunately people are not using those crazy nicknames anymore but yeah it's somehow similar it's funny because that was the beginning back then i didn't know that that would be my life Back then, I wanted to be a soccer player. <laughs> I didn't know that creating that folder and interacting with that computer would be something that I would grow up to do literally every day. I didn't know that I could build something from that computer that would pay my bills. That's crazy how things changed. Crazy. But one thing did not change. Emails. Yeah, they are still there. They are still like flip-flops. Flip-flops. Oh, my God. <laughs> Floppy disks. <laughs> flip-flops. Did I just say flip-flops? No. Floppy disks. Do you remember those kind of plastic things that you just insert in your computer, store one megabyte or something? Those are long gone. CDs. Remember CDs? 
Those are gone too. Emails, though, they are still here. And for a while, I thought that no one was using email anymore. I thought everyone was using email, uh, sorry, WhatsApp or Slack, whatever. Like, to be honest, I still think that the communication through email is slow, <laughs> which is crazy because email was and is, is much, much faster than sending a mail, right? So it's weird that now, what, 20 years after, I'm actually calling emails slow, but they are. They are messy, they are slow, they are spammy. And I remember when I was working at Weekend and we were working with an external company that was, they were basically helping us uh, doing the administration on our servers. And I was tasked to communicating with them and we were com communicating via emails. For me, there's like, no, let's change this. They, they didn't want to change, but I was really upset because, yeah, I just thought that emails were a thing of the past. Well, I was wrong. I was really wrong. Because as you know, for my current venture, PodSqueeze, email marketing is our main source to gather new customers. It's not WhatsApp. It's not Twitter. It's not Instagram. Is email. Email. Can you imagine? You know, the term of cold emailing is quite often connected with spam. The idea comes from starting a cold conversation. So you don't know this person. You are cold, I guess. And then you need to warm up. Right? So when you warm up to someone, you normally get to talk with this person and you kind of get to know each other. When you just send, your first interaction is really important. That's why if you come to someone, you just approach on the street and you try to cold sell something, right? You probably, that already happened to you before, right? Someone trying to sell you something on when you're on the street or in a mall or something. Yeah, that doesn't work quite often. But for some reason, it does work for us with pot squeeze. It works because of the product. The product is good and is something new, something that people need. So we get messages, messages of people thanking us for sending those sad emails. And that's crazy. Isn't that crazy that people are actually thanking you for something that normally is considered to be spam? For me, it's crazy. But the fact that this is working makes me, makes us really happy because it's so easy, right? We, we, there's actually lists of emails of people that have podcasts and we can just download this list and we can send emails to these people and they are just converting. The list I was able to achieve to get had 5 million emails, 5 million. That's crazy. I, of course, had to do some filtering and... I only wanted people that were active at least two years ago. And two years is still quite old. But my reasoning was that maybe even though they stopped doing their podcast two years ago, they are still involved in the podcasting world. So maybe they are still a good lead. That plus a bunch of other filtering kind of downsized our list from 5 million to 500,000. It's quite a big, quite a big downsize, but it's good. Because I'm avoiding all or kind of removing the people that are not interested in getting our emails. 
Still, 500,000 is huge. It's a lot. It's really a lot because we have around 3% conversion or so. So help me with the math here. So if it's like 1% of 500 million would be, what is that? 5,000 clients, right? So 3% is 15,000. 15,000 people that we can get. 15,000 clients we can get just through these cold emails. It's a lot. It's a lot, especially because there's no investment in terms of money. It's not like doing paid ads where you have to like actually spend money to make money. No, here you just hit send. We already have our recipe, our recipe for our messages. And... Actually, I can talk a little bit about that because it's something that some people or people often ask. So what, what is your recipe? What, what kind of emails you send? And as a guy that has been accused of spam many, many times on Reddit, on Twitter, on my email, <laughs> everywhere, I kind of figured out what is the best way to make a cold message. And this is my approach. Number one, introduce yourself. So the my message, my cold email starts, my name is Tiago. I'm a podcaster and a developer. Very simple, but an introduction. If you are able to personalize even better, if you can say, hey, João, hey, Peter, hey, Patricia, whatever. If you know their names, it's even better. Because the idea of these cold emails is that people think that you are sending this email personalized to them. The more personalized the thing they think the email is, the, the higher the likelihood of them actually answering because they know that you are really interested in communicating with them. And you are. The problem is that you cannot personalize to everyone. So if you find an automatic way to do that, better. Then you explain what your product is doing. I just said, I created an AI tool to help podcasters repurpose their audio content and generate titles, show notes, timestamps, posts, mentions, all with just one click. A very simple explanation of what you're doing. The goal here is not to convince anyone. To be honest, if you want to convince someone, if you have to convince someone through your cold email that you're actually solving a problem that they need, then you're already losing. Because one email is not enough to convince someone, for sure especially if it's a cold email. So here I'm targeting people that already have this need, people that already want pod squeeze. They just do not know that it exists. So I basically describe what it does. And I say, you can try it for free at podsqueeze.com. Can pod squeeze be helpful for your work? Always finish with a question. That's something really important. And here's why. If you don't... If you finish with basically an open sentence, if you finish without a question, people feel that they don't need to get back to you. If I would just say you can try it for free at podsquiz.com and finish the message there, people will be like, okay, I can try it or I might not try it, but this person that's just sent me this email is not expecting to get a response. So most likely I won't give it. But if there's a question people will always feel that they owe you something. They owe you, owe you a response. 
So that's why I always finish my cold interactions with a question. Can pot squeeze be helpful for your work? Looking forward to hearing from you, Tiago. That's it. That's it. That's the message we have been using. We are also sending for from uh, my personal pot squeeze email, Tiago at potsqueeze.com, so that people really see that it's personalized and it works. It's working really well. We were sending thousands of these kinds of emails per day. Thousands. We started with 1,000, then we moved to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and blocked. Wait, what? Yeah, we got blocked. You see, I, without knowing, in the beginning of this week, end up learning a lot about email marketing, a lot. And get ready, because I will explain and share everything I've learned with you today. I hope this is helpful for you. It's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. So think as email or email boxes. Let's go back to the, the mail, the typical mail with letters, physical letters. You sure get a lot of spam in your personal mailbox. I do, right? And yes, sometimes we try to stick that sticker that says no advertisement but let's be honest that just doesn't work like people just completely ignore that filter because it's a stupid filter it doesn't do anything right however email is a bit different email is controlled online right so you can do more than just apply a simple sticker that says no advertisement you can parse messages you can actually analyze who is delivering the message and see if they have a good or bad reputation. That's very interesting because this prevents your in inbox to have a lot of spam. Actually, you have a spam folder just for the advertisement and things you don't want to get, you know, for all those Viagra pills and stuff like that. They all go to spam. How does that happen though? Did you ever think about it? How is an email sent? A mail is very simple, right? You write your letter, you go to the post office, you give the letter to them, and then I guess they will deliver it through plane or car or whatever. Like they have their logistics, but okay, that's obvious. That works. But your email and my email, how are they connected? Like who is delivering my letter, my e letter to you? To understand this, we need to introduce the concept of. SMTP servers. These are a type of server, like the server where you host your website or where your cloud is. This is a server that works through the SMTP protocol. And this protocol allows these servers to communicate with each other. It's like sending a mail from Portuguese post, post, post office to, I don't know, French post office. They communicate with each other, right? That's exactly the same. We have multiple e-post offices across the world. One that you might know is Gmail, right? Gmail is kind of an e-post office that gets your letters and sends your letters. There are many others. There is Oatmail. There is Yahoo. There is Sapu here in Portugal. 
And then there are the professional ones, right? The ones that are used by companies. Like, for instance, we use Zoho, Zoho, <laughs> so weird to say, for pot squeeze. And there are many others. And each one of these post offices, these online post offices, they have their ways to figure out if a message is a proper message from someone with good reputation or if it is spam. There are multiple ways to do so. There are lists. There are public lists. Let's say I send a message to you and it's pure spam and you have Gmail. Gmail will check this and, and be like, okay, this is pure spam. This person should be blocked and just adds your email or your domain to a public list. And all the other e-post offices, Outlook, Zoho, whatever, they will be like, okay, cool. Thank you for sharing this information. I'll mark all of these messages as spam. Then all of these providers, they also have their own internal lists. These internal lists are not shared across multiple domains. They're just theirs. And they'll be like, the moment you get into one of those lists, it's really hard to get out. How do they decide, though? How do they decide if your message is spam or not? And there are many, many ways. Many, many ways. Even before opening your email, there's already a bunch of indicators that will tell if the message is actually spam or if it's a real message. One, and, and I'm really sorry if this is getting boring. I totally understand if you want to skip this. Uh, it's very technical, but I think it's really cool. So when you actually send an email, I didn't know about this, but when you actually send an email, there are two forms. There's, or two froms. That's, maybe it's better like this. There are two froms. You know from Tiago? There are two. One is the one that you see. So when you get an email and you see from Tiago, that's one of the froms. The other from is actually embedded in the metadata of the email. And they, it's funny because with a server, with any email server, you can spoof an email address. I basically can send messages as you, as your own email address. You are... WB listener, let's say WB listener at gmail.com. I can go to my server that is not a Gmail server and I can say I'm sending as WB listener at gmail.com. And when people get this email, they'll be like, okay, the from I see is coming from the WB user. And you're thinking, what? Then anyone can just pretend to be me. Not so fast. Because as I told you, there's two froms. And the other from will tell which from which domain I am actually sending this message. And they'll see. That's, by the way, one of the first ways that this kind of e-post offices figure out that is spam is that when these froms do not match, when they see, wait, this person says claiming to be from Gmail, but the server says pot squeeze. So something is fishy. Spam. That's the first way. Easy. Spam. Okay. But what if they have both the same? If the same prompts, they, they work. Should we just send it to a normal person without going to spam? No. There's many other ways. First, they will check out how old is the domain. We just created PodSqueeze basically two months ago. So let's say I would just create PodSqueeze today and start sending thousands of messages. They'll be like, wait, 
this person just created the domain and is already sending thousands of messages? Spam. <laughs> Easy. It's a very simple way. Another another is also the, the, the server itself. I can just create a server. I just did. I actually, we created our own server. I'll explain why. But we created our own SMTP server, our own e-post office. But if I just created it today and started sending thousands of messages, it's the same as the domain. They'll be like, what? This just happened? They just created this e-post office and are sending thousands of messages? Spam. Right? And then there's things a little bit more technical. Uh, for example... In your domain, in your DNS configuration, there's a bunch of things that you can set up that basically says that this server is allowed to send messages for this domain. I don't want to go to the technical. Uh, I might share some links on the show notes or it's easy for you to see. I think it's called SPF and DMARC, a bunch of uh, very technical things. But what they basically do is that. They just say it's a way for these e-post offices to know that this domain accepts that this server sends their messages, that Tiago accepts that the Portuguese post offices is sending his messages. Okay, cool. I think, are you following? I hope you are. I hope, I hope I'm, I'm explaining this properly. Okay, why were we blocked, right? I, I told you, I was sending 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and then we got blocked. First of all, we were not sending messages from our own server, not yet. We're sending messages from SendGrid's server. SendGrid is an email or transaction email service. And now there's still two types of uh, services online that send mail emails for you. And there's two big differences. SendGrid, Amazon, um, CES and uh, I don't know, Mailgun, there's a bunch of others, they have their own servers, okay? So they are their own Gmails. They lend their server to you. It's like the French post office allowing you to send messages through them, right? So they lend their servers to you, and they lend as well their reputation. When I'm sending an email through SendGrid, Everyone knows that SendGrid is legit because they are in business for a lot of years. And everyone, all the other providers, Gmail, Hotmail, they know that they are legit, right? So it's really cool. It's really cool because all the messages I send through them most likely will not go to spam. But they are also very picky because if I would... You know, me, myself, and a lot of people just use these services to send spam, thousands of messages about Viagra or whatever. Of course, then, then Gmail will be like, you know, send a grid used to be cool, but now you just send a shit. So we are going to block you. So send a grid, they don't want this. That's their livelihood. They depend on this. If suddenly they are blocked, they lose their business. So they do not allow these kind of emails. They do not allow cold emails. Yes. SendGrid, Amazon says, they do not allow it. And we know. We know because we are very open with them. And we told each one of them that we are, we are going to use their services for this purpose. We told them that people liked our emails, that we are not going to send um, the same person multiple emails. But still, they said no. 
Now we started to realize that maybe you should have lied. <laughs> but if you are legit, they will not accept it. Then there are the other services, the other online services. The other services that send emails for you. These are different because these attach to your own server. They don't have their own servers. So I think, for instance, MailChimp, I don't know. I don't want to lie to you. But I know, for instance, one that we tried uh, is called Woodpecker. They do use your own service. So you have to connect to your Gmail or you have to connect to your Soho, whatever. And then you have limits as well. Your own servers, the servers you use, have limits. For instance, Gmail, if you remember correctly, we, back in my our first email, uh, our first Podskis email was on Gmail and got blocked because we were sending like 300 messages per day or something. And they have their limits. And they'll be like, hey, sorry, blocked. Because they need to protect their reputation. It's everything they have. It's their reputation. It's true. So... We could have done this. We could connect to one of our servers and send emails, but then we could only send 80 emails per day or 100 emails per day. And that's not good. We want to send thousands, thousands. That's where the money is. If we send thousands per day, then we can still send the alpha million emails this year. Otherwise it will take years or it's crazy. What is the option? What can we do? right? Well, there's two main options here, at least from my point of view, or maybe three. First, lie. Just go to Amazon, says, or whatever, send grid and lie your teeth out. You just say, no, we are only sending transaction emails, so emails for people that actually register and opt in, and we're not going to do anything to damage your reputation, and then try to send as many as you can until you get blocked. That's one option. Might work, actually. Second option is to basically create multiple domains and create multiple email accounts in multiple servers, like one in Gmail, one in Outlook, one in Zoho, one in Yahoo, and kind of gather all of this and connect all of this to one service that sends emails for you and send basically 80 emails per account. Can also work. It also works. The other one which is our route, what we're trying to do, is to create your own server. Because <laughs> what I thought was like, hey, I have all of these emails. Like, why am I being blocked? Why can't I just simply send these messages? So I thought, I'm creating my own e-service. And I shared this on Twitter and everyone called me mad. Yeah, everyone was like, Tiago, what are you doing? This won't work. And you know me, when they tell me it won't work... That's when I want to do it. That's when I fucking want to do it. So that's what we did. I basically created a server, a virtual machine uh, using Etzner. Super cheap, like three three bucks per month. Then I used MailCow. There's like a service that uses Docker. Sorry, very technical, but uses Docker to install that. Super simple. I just installed my own service in like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes was super fast. But then you get that to that problem that I told you, which is you are so new that no one trusts you. Your server was just announced. No one trusts you. How do you get them to trust you? And then you do something called the warm-up. And I, I 
swear to you, I'm about to like finish the whole explanation, but this is an important um, process for you to understand. The warm-up is a process where you basically send very little messages, a very short amount of messages from your new, newly created server to other email accounts. And they need to accept, they need to interact with you, and they need, if you go to spam, they need to unmark you as spam. It's a lot of work. But that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. There's already service for that. Yeah. We're using one called MailReach. Really good. And it's very simple. You just create an account. We are paying, I think, 20 bucks per month. And we connect it to our email server and say, just warm up my email server. Just do that. And what they will do is... Little by little, they will just send emails. They have basically hundreds of email accounts that they own and they send messages to these email accounts and then these email accounts kind of mark this as uh, not spam and they answer back and they basically pretend that your mail is active and your mail is not spammy. And then they give you the, the rating. It's so cool. It's so cool. And another thing that they also show is that you can try, you can set up a message, send it to a bunch of their accounts, and they will tell you how many went to spam and how many did not. And as well, something really cool, something really interesting, is that they show you that if you are sending professional emails, so emails to professional accounts, your chances of going to spam are much lower because these email accounts are much more lenient than personal email accounts. If you are trying to send to my old MSN account or like to Gmail's, personal Gmail's, most likely it'll go to spam, most likely. However, if you are sending to, I don't know, Amazon or whatever, you know, these emails are a little bit uh, more lenient. So that's our route at the moment. Uh, actually, we are doing a mix of both. So I'm warming up my, my new, new server and my goal is to send more and more emails to be honest, I don't think I'll be able to send 4,000 because everyone is saying from everything I'm reading that if you send more than 1,000 or or so, if you send more than 100, you eventually will get blocked. So I don't know. I will have to experiment with that. But at the moment, I basically have, we created a new domain. We have podsquiz.co and then podsquiz.com. And I, I will share the load. So I'll send a few from my own newly created email account and then some others from the ZohoPodSquiz.com account. The ZohoPodSquiz account, I will try to be very limited because I don't want to risk that because that's our main domain. I will probably then increase little by little the amount of emails we send from our own server. And let's see if it works. Yeah. Wow. That was a lot. Like I've learned a lot about emails. It's so cool. It's so cool. I, I love this process of learning. And I was just like, I, I use GPT a lot. I use GPT a lot to learn about it. It's so cool. I, I just ask questions. I think the cool thing about GPT is that you get to ask questions about certain things that you did not understand. Whereas in Google, you basically have to search those terms. I love it. Just to finish, um, today I had a very interesting uh, interaction. So I um, I got to speak with a bunch of teachers uh, about GPT. I got to introduce GPT to a bunch of teachers. They teach English, uh, the language, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's the language. Why did I clarify this? <laughs> yeah, so 
I I shared this and I shared my journey with them. It's so cool because first thing that they told me was like, hey, Tiago, uh, after seeing this, we kind of realized that homework is a thing of the past. Like no one like is going to do homework. If if we ask for our students to write an essay, they will use GPT for sure or whatever. So they they were like looking at that and thinking, okay, what we need to figure out other ways to do education because GPT is changing everything. They also came up with really, really cool ideas. For instance, one, once I showed them um, mid-journey, they were like, wow, you know what would be cool? Maybe we could ask our students to describe their, their room, their ho- home or their bedroom, and then they would just say, hey, I have a bed, which is red, it's in the middle, then I have a side table, then I have a plant. And the idea would be, to recreate their room as accurately as possible with mid-journey. That's cool, right? That's a very cool idea. So it was so cool to see like these, there were like multiple generations of teachers and I was showing this to them. And it was cool to see how excited and at the same time scared they were about this new technology and how this is going to affect uh, the future of learning. I, I'm sure that it will affect a lot and I hope it will be for the better. But definitely things will need to change. So, yeah, it was really fun. It was a really fun experience. Yeah, I have talked enough. Um, I hope you liked today's episode. And if you do, make sure to share it with all of your Indie Hacker friends and, uh, yeah, with your friends that want to know more about email. If you have questions about the whole email marketing, cold email, I know there's a lot of people that are interested in this topic. Just DM me at WBTiago on Twitter. I'm always answering questions or send me an email at tiago or tiago at podsquiz.com why not just send me an email there and i will uh, make sure to answer all of your questions and that's it that's it for today's episode see you next week Post office in Portuguese is Correios. Ah, vou ali aos Correios. Yeah.